Okay, church, we're in Luke 6 once again. Luke chapter 6, verses 37 through 42. Luke 6, 37 through 42. The title of the message is, Do Not Judge. Do Not Judge. Let's, let's read the text together. Luke 6, starting in verse 37. Jesus says those words here. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. And he also spoke to them, or he also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both? fall into a pit. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Let's pray. Father, we just ask you to help us today to apply this text to our lives, God. Father, I would just ask for your grace uh, that I could speak this word clearly and grace for, for your sheep to hear and grace for all of us to, to apply to our life, Father, that we would that we would not walk in hypocrisy in our lives, God. Father, please help us today, God. We want to hear from you. We want to honor Christ, Father. We pray that, that Jesus will be glorified in our lives and, and today as well. We ask it in His name. Amen. So in your Christian life in the past, up to the present, what has been one of the most common verses in the world that that you may hear that people that aren't even in church, um, you know, that you hear that people know. One of them would be this, before I get, before I get to where you know where I'm going. You know, in the past, I, I remember hearing a lot of John 3.16. You hear that, but a lot of people know that verse. You'll see that verse on signs at, in, in the stadiums and football games. You know, just you'll just see John 3.16, and you'll see it written under athletes' eyes. That along and... Philippians 4.13, that's another one, I can do all things through Christ. But some of these verses that are just very popular to our world. But what's another one? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, don't be judging me. Or, or, or the King James, you know, that's, that's the way it's usually in. Judge not, lest you be judged. I've been asked many times by people who are just curious, you know, what's the most common question you get or most common comment you may get when you're preaching outdoors? And it's, I, think, I think I've had to, you know, because I thought about that. A guy asked me that here recently. And I said, um, I, I, said that, I think it would be that more than anything. You'll get, you'll get people kind of drive-by hecklers, you know. They won't stay around. But why are you judging? Stop judging me. Why are you judging these people? And uh, so sometimes it'll come in the form of a question, sometimes just a statement. And you know what my response usually is? And they're not ready for it because Jesus told me to. <laughs> and they're, they're just like, it's like, What? Because all they know is, is Matthew 7, 1 or this text and the King James. Judge not. So, so they just think, 
you know, well, you're crazy. You, you're saying Jesus told you to? So basically, um, and, oh, and you know, by the way, guys, when they come by and they say that, you know they're judging. <laughs> Stop judging me for judging. So why are you judging me? That's another good way you can answer that. Basically, what people like that are thinking, which most people, in, you know, because they, we want to get to the bottom of what he's saying today. But, but most people, what in their minds, it's, it's that you can't say anything to anybody, any kind of correction, or you're violating that verse. Judge not, lest you be judged. These same people will even say, oh, that, that book's written by men. But boy, they'll pull that out. And um, so, is that what Jesus is saying? The question I have on your, on, your, um, on your bulletin on the back, are we to judge? Now, obviously, <laughs> we just read where Jesus says, do not judge. But again, we interpret Scripture with the rest of Scripture. Are we to judge? And I'll answer that question, yes, we are. And so are we to judge and how so? That's what we want to look at today. How so? Are we to judge and how so? I would answer with an immediate yes, we are to judge. I'm not contradicting Christ's words here. Hopefully you guys will be able to see it real quickly. But we are to judge, but we are to do it in the correct way. We are to do it in the correct way. And so let's look at three ways out of this text that we are to judge. First of all, we're to judge with much mercy. Okay, verse 37 and 38. We're to judge. Yes, we are to judge, but we're to judge with, with much mercy. Now, where do I get where do I get it that when I say Jesus told me to? And I tell the people, turn to so and so, and you'll see it. John 7, 24. Where Jesus told, I think he was talking to a group of Jews. He said, When you judge, do you hear that? When you judge. Judge with right judgment, not according to appearance. When you judge, judge with right judgment. What does that mean? Or with righteous judgment. Judge according to truth. That's what Jesus is saying. Judge according to truth. Think about, think about what, did, what did Jesus call the Pharisees? Well, He called them all kinds of names, but what's a real popular one? Hypocrites, right? You realize Jesus is judging? Jesus is making a judgment by calling them hypocrites. So he's not contradicting himself, guys. Jesus, stop judging. <laughs> stop calling them men whitewashed tombs. You realize he's making a judgment, but he's judging them according to truth. Matthew 23, verse 3, we, we hear him tell the people, he says, and he's speaking about the Pharisees and these religious hypocrites, do what they say, not what they do. Okay? So that's my explanation to the person on the streets is that Jesus told me to. Jesus, and a lot of times, guys, if they will have the ears to hear and they really want to know, I have explained to them what Jesus meant by that and what we're doing out here. And a lot of times they'll, they'll understand it. Because what Jesus means by that and what I'll explain to them, let's just say a person is living in sin. Right? Living in whatever sin it is. Let's just say it's habitual sexual immorality and out of love for the person say sir the word of God says because Jesus says judge with right judgment and because I care about you the word of God says that a person living in this kind of lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of heaven I am making a judgment but the judgment is righteous judgment and it's the words of Jesus Christ it's the word of scripture and guess what that is a merc that's merciful you're telling the person the truth. You know what that's, you know what that's um, 
You know what that's like? That's, that's like telling the, the person who's, who's driving down the road and there's barricades up that says bridge out. Stop. <laughs> Turn around. Don't go forward. And so making a judgment is saying stop. Don't go. Because you don't want the person to drive off the cliff. It's no different. We, want to, we, we do make judgments. And we can think of a million. Anytime we're correcting somebody, we are judging, but we're doing it righteously. We want to do it righteously. We want to do it with mercy. We're not to do it harshly. And, that, and that's really what we're getting at here. When he says in verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. This is talking about harshly judging people. It really has to do with the attitude of our heart. Judging harshly, judging self-righteously, right? Um, without love. It's, it's judging without love. You know, we can even we can even exercise this harsh judgment even with our tones. If you think about your tones, when, you, when you're talking about these, these weighty matters, when you're preaching the gospel, because you have to speak about things like sin, you have to speak about things like hell. But even the tone of our voice matters. With a self-righteous judgment, sinner, you're going to hell. Do you hear how harsh that is? There's not love in it. There's almost like a celebration. It's a condemning spirit. And so we're not to judge with this kind of self-righteous, harsh judgment. You see the context right up above it, guys, in verse 35 and 36? Remember, this is all... We're, we're preaching these in separate sermons, but, but this was all one sermon. He says, love your enemies and do good. Lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you'll be sons of the Most High, for He Himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. Look what He says in verse 36. The very last passage we looked at. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This, is, this needs to be our attitude when we are making these right judgments. When we're telling people what the Word of God says, are we to be critical? Like meaning, use critical thinking? Absolutely. We have to think critically. What is right? What is wrong according to God's Word? We have to be discriminating in other words. Yes, but what we want to avoid is, is this hypercritical. You could, you could use the word judgmental. This is what we want to avoid. This hypercritical, judgmental attitude of making judgments about people. We, we want to stay away always from judging people's motives. We don't know the motives. Maybe sometimes we think we do. We're not to judge people's motives because we don't know. Um, you know, sometimes it's not even... Because there can be a myriads of situations in life. Sometimes it's not our place to judge what's going on in a person's life because we don't know the facts. Okay, so there's all kinds of, of ways that this would apply to self-righteous, hypocritical, harsh judgment. This is what Jesus is condemning. He says, do not judge. And then He says, you will not be judged. Do not judge and you will, be not, and you will not be judged. And He says, do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. He says, do not judge and you will not be judged. You know, we can look at this in, in, in a in multiple ways here, if we're harsh with people, church, if we're harsh with people, many times people will be harsh with us in return. That's just a principle in life. What did the Proverbs say? Proverbs 51, 15, 1. 
soft answer turns away wrath. It's kind of that principle. If you're going to be harsh with others, you know what? You're probably going to get it back at you. That's, that's part of the meaning of this text. Okay, but it's also judgment from God. And this could come in a myriad of ways. If you truly are His child, and we're walking in this kind of harsh, critical, judgmental spirit, God's going to discipline us. So the judgment could be just God's discipline in hand on His children. He could use other people. You know what? Oh. <laughs> the world says what comes around goes around. What we just read in Paul's letter is that, you know what? We, uh, we reap what we sow. This type of language. Um, but then he, he takes it further. He takes it further though. He says, do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon, or your version may say, forgive. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. This is almost like a finality in our, in our motive. Yeah, that person, man, they're going to hell. It's just that condemning spirit. Do you see what I'm saying? The self-righteous, there's not love in it. There's no love in the spirit. And so the question would be, what's the opposite of condemning? Well, it would be forgiving. Forgiving, pardoning. And so the, the mindset we have to have, guys, as we, as we think through what he's telling us, of what this looks like, we, we need to have the mindset as Christians that when we're dealing with other people and we're making judgments, right? You can't go through life without making judgments. We want to judge righteously. We, we want to judge with mercy. We want to remember that we are sinners amongst other sinners. That's the attitude you and I need to have. It's not the... I mean, and that applies to, to any time we're dealing with people, but I just think of the world that I live in. The, 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 the public proclamation of the gospel and you see these guys with these big old, these big banner signs and it just says, burn in hell. <laughs> burn in hell, you, you sinners. And, you, and they'll maybe name the, you, you know, name the, name the sinner. Um, that's not the attitude of our heart. That's not the attitude of our heart. No, we, we plead with people. We realize that I'm no better than you. Whoever this is, it comes from a heart of mercy. Turn to Titus 3, guys. Let's read Paul's words over here. I think he, kept, he, I think he captures this really well, of what I'm trying to say. And I, I think what Jesus is communicating here. Titus 3, verses 3 through 7. Listen, listen to Paul's heart here, okay? For we also once were foolish. Do you, do you see that first? He's identifying himself. Hey, I was like this too, guys. We also were once foolish, disobedient. Okay, think about this, guys. He's making judgments, basically saying, if you're not in Christ, this is you. <laughs> but, he, but, but his attitude is, hey, we, we were in the same boat. We also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done. See, there's not self-righteousness here. Not on the deeds, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly, through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, 
we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You can see Paul understands his place here. We're no different. Guys, I was blind. I was, I was disobedient. I was foolish. If it wasn't for the mercy of God, the mercy of God, the, the salvation that, that, that He has provided in Christ. Church, one who, one who has this understanding, like, like Paul was saying, when we have this understanding of, of all that God has forgiven us for, this is what Jesus is saying, it is usually easy for that person to forgive others. When we understand how... how we understand grace, do we not? We understand God's mercy. We understand for His forgiveness. And for the Christian, we have the capacity to forgive others when we're wrong. You know what Jesus is saying here, guys? He is not teaching in any of these type of verses that it's salvation by forgiving others. No, that's not what He's saying. You know what? If you forgive others, then man, then I'll forgive you on that day because you forgive. It's actually just the opposite. It's proof. It's a demonstration that a person has been forgiven. The ability to forgive others. Do you know there's, there's not hardly any times that we're more like Christ than when we're able to forgive others. And so what Jesus is warning of, what He's warning about primarily is those who do not forgive, those who refuse to forgive, have not been forgiven. They have not been forgiven. A person who is able to forgive is a person who understands the mercies of God, the grace of God. A person who is unable to forgive they are demonstrating that they have no understanding, no comprehension of grace, of mercy. And so they're, they're unable to extend it to others. And so Jesus is warning here. He's warning against hypocrisy. And that's what He means by judge not you will, and, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. Or forgive and you will be forgiven. So it really, it's really the hard attitude of the Christian who is now able to extend forgiveness. Because I would say this, according to God's Word, according to this text, other texts, if a person is literally, they say, I could never forgive that person. And there is no capacity or desire to forgive. According to Scripture, it's because they have not been forgiven. They don't understand grace. But when we understand what we've been forgiven for, all of, all of our sin, how can we not extend forgiveness towards somebody else? But he goes further than that in verse 38. It's not only forgiving, but, it, but he, goes, he takes it further. Given, given it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed press down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. I have to admit, this is one of those texts that it's, it was hard to get a grasp of. Sometimes it's just like, how is this connecting? But he, he's just taking the thought further uh, that we're not only to be forgiving, but we're, we're to do something to bless them. In other, in other words, it's, it's forgiving, yes, and, and it's giving a person grace. Look, look way back up in verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. That's really the context of this whole 
section here is offering grace, loving people, loving our enemy, walking in forgiveness. It's a picture of who? It's a picture of the person who has entered the kingdom. Okay? We've got to go back to the beginning. The, the Beatitudes, right? The Beatitudes, the, the, the person who has been, has been given mercy is now able to extend mercy to others. That's Matthew's account. So it's about so this text here in verse thirty-eight. He's he's simply he is simply describing being generous to a person, not only forgiving but able but willing to be generous. Uh, listen to uh, you can turn there if you want. Second, Second Corinthians nine six and seven says this. Second Corinthians nine six and seven familiar familiar text. Once I read it, Paul says this. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Obviously that, that text is meaning, and, and it's usually read in the context of giving, finances, or, or these type of things, and yes, and amen. But the principle applies here as well. God loves His children to be generous to others, guys. We're to be generous. And then the phrase here in verse 38 says they will, when we, when we are generous, says they will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. We'll get to that phrase here in a minute, but that connects the two verses. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. But R.C. Sproul, he says in his commentary about this, um, about this verse in 38, about it being given to you, pressed down. He says this, In the ancient world, you would go to the marketplace and buy a bushel of grain or a bushel of corn, and there were ways to stack those ears of corn in the bushel. Now you can fill a bushel up with a lot of empty air in there, or you can shake that bushel and pack that corn or shake that grain until the bushel was filled to its utter capacity. So it's just really getting the bushel full. Frito-Lay could learn that when they're with the chips, Jamie. There's a lot of air in those bags. That's what I pictured. It's a lot of wasted space. But that's what this language is, this press down. They would have got it in their day. Um, but what's the point here, guys? God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver, not a stingy giver. Amen? He loves a cheerful... And the point is, the thought He is... He's bringing back. He's connecting 37 and 38. God is gracious to those who are gracious. Do you realize that? God is gracious to those who are gracious. God is generous to those who are generous. You know, often God, and it's all God's, it's God's providence, you know, God's orchestrating circumstances in your life. Um, often He will, he will cause people... Uh, you know, when we're gracious to certain people, they may be gracious to us, or God may bring along somebody else to be gracious to you. They're generous in return many times. The point is this, guys. Whether it's in this life, many times it is. Many times it's in this life, and we don't even recognize it. That God repays us, I guess you could say. He causes people to be generous to us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, do, I, I just step back and go, wow, that was awful kind of them. I think it's God carrying this out. 
It's reaping what we sow. If you go around being harsh and a jerk to everybody, guess what? (laughs) Not everybody's going to like you. Not everybody's going to be friendly to you. You're going to get a lot of stuff in return. But the point is this, guys. Whether it's in this life, God will always reward you in the next life. And that's really ultimately what all this is pointing to. Both ways. Listen to Hebrews 6.10. Or jot it down. Listen to it. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and love which you have shown toward His name. Isn't that a beautiful promise? God doesn't forget. God is not unjust. Whether it's in this life or the next. right? We don't, we don't give to get. That's not what this is. But God sees to it that you're recompensed. Sometimes it's in this life. Sometimes it's in this life and we don't even realize it. Wow, that person was generous to me. That person was kind to me. Maybe it's God recompensing us for being kind to others. But we, He will definitely recompense in the next life. It was, it was Jesus who said it was more, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Just the joy of giving. The joy of extending ourselves to others. Sometimes, that's, sometimes the reward is, simp- is as simple as the joy that God gives us. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But here's to, to pull these two thoughts together in verse 37 and 38, guys. It's that last phrase in verse 38. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. The point is this. We should expect to be dealt with by others and by God the same way we treat them. That's what Jesus is teaching here. Whether that's harsh judgment or whether that's generosity and forgiveness, we should expect to be treated by others and by God in the same way that we treat people. So the point is this. Back to point number one. Yes, we are to judge. You can't go through life without making judgments. When you correct somebody with the truth, with God's Word, you are, you are judging. But we are to do it with mercy. Okay? We are to do it with mercy like the mercy that we have received from the Lord as Christians. We're the only one who knows, understands mercy. Do you realize that? If a person's not in Christ, they truly don't understand grace and mercy. It's only the person who has experienced grace and mercy. And our judgments, guys should always be to help somebody, not destroy somebody. That's the difference. One is love. The other is condemnation. And it made me even think of the Holy Spirit. Compare the Holy Spirit to Satan, okay? What does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? He comes along and He convicts us. Right? He shows us where we're wrong. In other words, He's making that righteous judgment. Son, you were wrong here. But it's gentle, right? It's meant, to, it's meant to restore us. It's meant to get us back on track. It's love. And what does the devil do when we sin? He condemns you. He wants to crush you. And that's the difference. In this judging language, we're not to judge harshly. We're not to condemn. When we condemn, we're acting like the devil. When we love and we're gracious and we're merciful, who are we acting like? Christ Himself. So we are to judge. We are to judge, but we're to do it with mercy and grace, and love. Secondly, we are to judge, but we are to do it with guidance from our teacher. 
We're, we're to judge with guidance from our teacher in verse 39 and 40. And he also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he's been fully trained, will be like his teacher. Okay, the blind man in this context, immediate context, he would have, he would have been talking about the Pharisees and these men because he called them blind guides all the time. But obviously this could apply to all false teachers and really the world because the world is blind, are they not? They're blinded in their sin, blinded by the devil. That's why they can't see the glory of Christ, the image of God, all these things because they've been blinded. And so the point is in verse 39, be careful. Listen to what he says. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they not both fall into a pit? So we, we had better be careful who we follow. You better be careful who you follow and who you listen to. That's the immediate warning here. And how we lead others. We want to make sure we're leading others. That's what is so humbling about what I'm doing today and in this position is I am <laughs> I'm responsible for teaching you guys either the truth or error. Okay, I'm leading you. And so the point is, the principle is like teacher, like student, right? The spiritually blind teachers lead the spiritually blind learners to where? To destruction. You know what that would be like? It would be like not one blind man, but two blind men walking towards the edge of a cliff. And the one blind man saying, come on, come on, come this way. And he leads the other blind man off the cliff and they both go off the cliff. Matthew said, or Matthew, Jesus says in Matthew 23, verse 15, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Sounds like he's judging again. Because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. That's what he's warning of right here in verse 39. He's warning the blind leading the blind. You're both going to fall into a pit. Verse 40, we need the right teacher. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. If you're blind, you will end up in a pit. That's the point. If you're blind and you are following somebody who is blind, you both are going to end up in a pit. It may seem like you're going the right way. Well, I think I'm going the right way. But you're blind. Doesn't Proverbs say something about that? There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is what? Destruction, death, the pit. It doesn't matter if it seems right to you. It's going to lead to the pit of hell. Is what, that's what the pit means here. But what does Jesus say? How beautiful. In, in chapter 4, verse 18, what did He come to do? To give recovery of sight to the blind. He gives sight to the blind. He gives us sight. He gives us sight what? To see our sin. He gives us sight for the first time to see our sin. We can see our sin. We can see that we need Christ. He gives us sight to see what? The glorious gospel. 
The world is blinded to. But He not only gives us sight to see our sin, to see our need, right? We're made poor in spirit. We enter the kingdom of heaven. We receive forgiveness, salvation. We confess Him as Lord. All these glorious things that happen to salvation. But He also trains us. Verse 40. A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. Beloved, He trains us. You know Christ trains us? In this context, we're to be trained by Him in what? In truth and in mercy. Truth and mercy in this context. We are trained by Him. In the truth. In the Word of God. And we're trained by Him in mercy. We've received His salvation. We've received His Spirit. We now, like Paul, we can say, yeah, we were once in that boat. We were once foolish. We were once haters of God. We were once blind in our sin. We were once self-righteous. But God gave me sight. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, and now I see. Why? Because of me? No, because of His amazing grace. We now see these things. You see, beloved, the, the Pharisees and the world, they don't understand truth and mercy. Only the Christian has a true understanding of the truth of their sin, of the truth of Christ, and of the truth of forgiveness and mercy and grace. You see, the the Pharisees and the, the world in this context, they've never been forgiven for their sin. And so they don't forgive others. And the point is that God will judge them for their sins on Judgment Day. Because they will stand before Him unforgiven. So yes, again, we are to judge. We are to judge, but we are to judge with guidance from our Master Teacher. Our Master Teacher who has given us spiritual eyes to see our own sin now. To see our own condition. So that we can be now, we can now be patient and merciful to others and judge righteously. So we are to judge. We're to do it with mercy. We are to judge. We're to do it with guidance from our teacher, right? We're to imitate Christ. And then last, we're to judge without a log. Without a log, your version may say, without a a beam or a beam of wood or a plank. A plank, Josiah. Plank, Josiah. We had, a, we had an illustration of that yesterday. We were moving some stuff. But we're to, we're, to, we're to do so, guys. We're to make judgment, but we're to do so without a log, without a plank, without a beam. <laughs> but we are to judge. You can see it. The fact that we're to judge, you can see it in verse 42. Look at verse 42, the second half, guys, before we look at, before we look at um, those two verses together. Just look at the second half of verse 42. He says, You hypocrite... First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. In other words, remove the log and then make a proper judgment. That's what taking the speck out is. We are to take the speck out. He's not saying don't take the speck out. He's just saying get that stuff out of your eye so you can make a right judgment. So even in this verse, 
He's saying you are to judge, but get the log out of your eye first. We're to take the log out. You know, this is very humorous language. He's making it such an extreme comparison. I mean, the speck, guys, I've heard it described as literally a particle of dust. <laughs> literally a particle of dust. Hey, before you go over there and get that tree, or before you, I'm sorry, I got that back. Before you go over there and get that little speck of dust, you know when you got something in your eye and you're just like, you know, before you go get that out of your, out of your neighbor or your brother's eye, get that tree out of yours. I mean, it's literally, it's a, it's a, a beam. Think of a beam, you know, you see a house being built and these big beams. That's, that's what the language is. You know what this is? Once again, this is the hypocrite of verse 37. Do not judge and you will be not judged. Do not condemn and you will be not you will not be condemned. This is the hypercritical judgment of others. You have got a you have got half of a house in your eye and you're going around getting the dust out of other people's eyes. <laughs> and and this is also this is the hypocrite of verse 37 and it's also the hypocrite of verse 39. A blind man trying to lead a blind man is the hypocrite. And we see it again in verse, verses 41 and 42. The man with the log in his eye. It's the hypocrite. The one who condemns others. It's the hypocrite. The one who is blind, leading the blind. It's the hypocrite. This is what he's warning. This is, you know what this is? This is the blind eye doctor. That's what this is. Would you want a, would you want a man like that? You go to the eye doctor? I've been to the eye doctor one time when I got these a year ago. And I'm thankful he could see. <laughs> it's like, how can you correct my vision? You're blind. And you're trying to tell me that I can't see? That's what's going on. So what is the log, guys? What is the beam? What, what is the plank? The plank that Josiah mentioned yesterday. Two planks. We were moving, getting the chair out of the storage. And Josiah said, hey, get, don't forget those two planks. I said, man, you just, that was our sermon right there. <laughs> but we got a visual. These planks were, I don't know, about this tall, five, six, seven feet tall. And you imagine they had one of those lodges in your eye. You couldn't see. But what is the plank? <laughs> hey, what is, what is he referring to? The log, the plank, the beam. You know what it is, guys? Yes, it's sin. But you know what? You want to know what sin it is in particular? It's the sin of self righteousness that's the log self-righteousness blinds like nothing else so what does self-righteousness blind a person to everything if you're a self-righteous person you're blinded to everything they can't see their own sin and then they can't make a proper biblical gracious evaluation of somebody else's sin because they're blind it's the sin of self-righteousness yes there's other sin in the life but because of the sin of self-righteousness, they can't even see their own sin. That's what he's saying to remove. We cannot ever see properly to make a correct judgment on others, on other people's sin until we deal with our own sin. You know that's what he's telling us to do? Deal with your own sin. And then you can see clearly to help people. To help people with their sin. To help to, to give them the truth. Whatever that truth is. For the lost person, right? It's man, repent. I don't want you to perish. You need to turn to Christ. 
For the believer, what is it? We saw it earlier. Let's do it earlier. Paul going to the, hey, you are spiritual. Go. Go with the spirit of compassion. Restore them. So we can't deal with any particular sin in our life, especially in the lives of others, until we have dealt with the sin of self-righteousness. And that really comes, that really comes first and foremost at conversion, right? At conversion. But even as Christians, we can become self-righteous. So we always need to be, we always need to be taking that log out, making sure we don't have a log in our eye. And so in closing, guys, in closing, a few thoughts here. Are we to judge? Yes. Yes, we're to judge, but we're to remember to judge with mercy. We're to remember to judge with kindness and understanding, long-suffering, patience, because we care about whoever it is we're making this judgment about. And we do it with truth, with the Word of God. We're to do it with guidance from our teacher. Mercy and truth, and we're to do it without hypocrisy. We're to do it without self-righteousness. And then once we remove the log, once we we remove the plank from our eye, we can graciously, we can graciously confront the sins of others. And then we can truly fulfill verse 31, guys. Look at verse 31. You could sum up the whole section, and this, this is another verse that the world uses a lot. <laughs> they'll say, hey, that book's written by men, and then they'll quote this verse. But it's true. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. But that comes as a result of dealing with our sin. That comes with a, as a result of humbling ourselves before God, realizing, like Paul said, hey, I, I was once a child of wrath. I've been saved by God's grace, God's mercy. That's the only thing different about me than anybody else that may not know Christ is God's mercy, God's grace. And so, so to close, I want to share two scriptures to, to really catch the spirit of what all this language is about. One of them is, is one of the ones Jamie read earlier and I just referenced, but I want to quote it again and make a comment or two. And then one other one after that and we will be done. Galatians 6.1, Paul says, Brethren, even if anyone is... Okay, let me back up just a minute. So, so I'm going to share one. This one would be dealing with other, with other believers, right? Other people in the church. And then I'm going to share one how we deal with... How we deal with those outside, those who still need Christ. But we can see the same, the same spirit. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you see that? Any trespass. Even one that, oh, we may just, we may just, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe she did that. No, he says, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, listen to this, restore such a one. He didn't say condemn such a one. Hey, when you catch your brother or sister and that trespass, condemn them. No, he says restore such a one in a spirit of what? Gentleness. Not in a spirit of harshness. In a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. You hear the, you hear the warning? Be humble. Be humble. Be humble. Gently correct Gently restore. Do it with gentleness. Do it with humility. Because you too could fall. And then Jude. Verses 22 and 23. This would be our attitude towards the lost. And specifically the context in this letter. Is towards those who are 
ensnared in false teaching, but it's towards those who are lost. Because anybody outside of Christ, they've been blinded by the devil. They're prisoners. This needs to be our attitude. And have mercy on some. You hear that? Have mercy. So the ones that we have to communicate the truth to. And it's truth many times, guys, that they don't want to hear. Spurgeon said, when you're dealing with souls, I'm paraphrasing, he said, when you're dealing with souls, you have to tell them many things that they don't want to hear. Okay? But, when we're, but we're, to do it like, we're to do it with this attitude. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others. Snatching them out of the fire. And on some have mercy with fear. Hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for having mercy upon us, Lord. We thank You, God, by Your grace that You opened our eyes to who Christ is, that You, by the power of Christ, by the power of the Gospel, Lord, You, you first removed the log out of our eye. Lord, by granting us repentance. And so, Father, help us as we live the Christian life, God, as, as we see... As we, the, as we see these things, God, as we struggle with our own sin, as we wrestle with these things, Lord, help us to always be making sure we don't have that log in the eye. Lord, but that we're able to see clearly as we help others, Lord, who are dealing with their sin. Father, as we, as we go into the world and as we proclaim the message of the Gospel to the lost, Lord, may we never do it with this self-righteous attitude, God, or with hypocrisy, but may we do it with genuineness. May we do it with humility. May we do it with the attitude, such was I. Oh, but I know a dear Savior who can save you and rescue you. So Father, help us as Your people, Lord, to make right judgments, to do it with mercy, to do it with truth, to do it like Christ does it. And Lord, to do it humbly. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We pray that You would uh, help us to apply this to our lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.